Hello and welcome back, Blue Crew. This is your host, Matt. Uh, Phil, due to popular man, has rejoined us this week. And welcome to another week of the Blue Pod, recapping round 11 of the Pies and Carlton. Welcome back, Phil. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here, although not quite as happy to be here as I'd hoped. I know. Sorry to bring you in on a loss. Rare occasion this year to have a loss. Uh, maybe it brings us a few new things to talk about, though. Yes, I think it was a really interesting game. So there is lots to talk about. There's no doubt about that. So, as always, it's a uh, four-quarter performance on the Blue Pod. Uh, in uh, the first quarter, we were doing the game recap. Followed in the second quarter, we will discuss the, all the players and uh, how they went this week. In the third quarter, it's the coach's box. And this week, we'll slightly change it up. We're going to do a bit of a fourth quarter where we have a look at the year that's been and maybe some of our hopes and expectations for the second half of the year. So, without further ado, let's, uh, let's kick it off. Collingwood, the mortal enemy of uh, Carlton, and this I think gives them the slight go-ahead in the overall tally uh, of the two clubs over their 120-year history. They managed to win today, 79, 11 goals, 13, uh, defeating the Blues by four points, 11 goals, 9, 75. Top disposals uh, getters of the day was Walsh led the way with 35 in the end, Doherty and Hewitt on 31, Chera 30, Saad with 27. And then for the goals, we've got Kerno kicking four goals. Matt Owies managed to chime in with a couple. And a list of singles to Cripps, Motlop, Chera, Walsh and Durden. Big game at the G, 80,000 people. What did you make of the, how it started? Yeah, well, it, uh, it had that big game atmosphere and uh, I think the game actually started uh, with that sort of sense where there was uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of noise and uh, players uh, making a few mistakes. I think both teams really came ready to play, didn't they? They certainly did, uh, which is good to see because uh, the Collingwood Carlton games have a special place for me because it was a 1970 grand final that actually uh, made me a Carlton supporter. So always look forward to these big matches. Big traditional rivalry. And uh, for those long-time Blue Crew listeners, you might recall Tessa uh, recapping the story of how Phil uh, convinced her to become a lifelong blue bagger. So uh, if we look at the first half of the game then, Matt, I, I think um, picking out the moments, we had a lot of territory domination early in the um, first quarter, but we just really mm-hmm. couldn't convert. I thought Adam Chera was really good in those... On uh, fire early, wasn't yeah, he? he was. He was getting a lot of possessions, as as was Saad. And while Collingwood got the first goal, it was great to see Kurnow and Durden come back. What do you think of Durden's pick-up? Oh, wasn't that just a, a great little uh, crumb and, and dribble through the goal? It was, it was a nice one, wasn't it? You got pretty excited early. Yeah. Unfortunately, the big moment that we have to talk yes. about for the first quarter is the weedering injury, which... Uh, Wow, uh, what an impact it might have not only on this game uh, but also on the uh, on the season. Yeah, it really did put a sour note on it. I think everyone was just concerned about how he's going to recover. It sounds he said it wasn't uh, too bad, but they're not playing it down yet. Uh, any of the officials at the club that were interviewed just we're calling this straight after the game, so we haven't heard anything official yet. But normally out for a little while the AC the AC joints. Uh, Stocker did one that got pointed out to me by Tess, and she said he was back in two weeks. So fingers crossed, it's something like that for Weeders. Yeah, and we've got the bye, which is also a bit of help but certainly uh, not something we want and particularly when our tall back stocks are thin uh, on the ground almost non-existent (laughs) this is the last thing we needed so I guess from that point there was a little bit of apprehension uh, about how the game was going to unfold given that was a a key uh, hole in our structure yep then we moved into the the second quarter, and it was um, you know uh, there was a there was a bit of play where I felt that uh, the Magpies were really carving us up, running out of the back line. Uh, mm-hmm. So that also uh, was a bit of a cause for concern. But uh, then there was Cripper's big captain's goal, which oh. I think uh, was a was it was a really big moment, massive moment. We really were desperate for just to get back on the scoreboard. We sort of only managed to affect the scoreboard in spurts, but other than that, it was Collingwood that seemed to be dominating, wasn't it? And we were desperate just for anyone to, to score to keep us in it. Yeah. Look, I think this quarter was a good example of us maturing to try and settle the game. And we had a lot of steady ball movement and then we really reaped the rewards of that with those three quick goals, which, uh, to be frank, somewhat surprisingly, <laughs> um, we're up by the goal at half time. Uh, yeah. So that was it was good to see us steady and regroup and get some reward for that bit of maturity in how we handled that 
part of the game, particularly after the loss of Weedering and having to restructure. So out of some more efficient use going forward, Carlton were winning at halftime, six goals, 238 to Fremantle's. Oh, so Fremantle's. I use a bit of a, a spreadsheet that's layout and it's left over from the Fremantle game. Collingwood's four goals, 832. Coming out at halftime, I thought it was just interesting to see some of the matchups that we're doing without Weedering. So we noticed that Plowman at stages was picking up Cox, so the young seemed to normally get him. Uh, we had players like Newman having to take Myercheck, and they're a tall forward line with Cox, Myercheck, uh, Cameron all up forward. So it was definitely putting a bit of pressure on the defenders. And the Pies were on top early in that third quarter, uh, eventually managing to get a goal from it. And it was just telling that we just didn't seem to be able to mark the ball inside 50. The Pies often got players free inside 50, and they were getting so many chances to have set shots on goal. Whereas every time we went forward, it just seemed like it was hard work for us, didn't it? Yeah, look, it was really frustrating to watch. Uh, it just felt like we just could not get our system or structure working at all. And uh, some of our – as a, and credit to Collingwood, there's probably a bit of pressure because some of our ball skills and control just wasn't what it was in that second quarter where we managed to steady and, and – and, recover the scoreline. Yeah. Collingwood managed to apply an excellent pressure throughout the whole game, so you've got to give them a little bit of credit. But it just felt like at times we're just missing that clean handball that would just release the pressure or the kick that hits up for a mark. We just didn't seem to be able to get one. The one time we finally did get a mark inside 50, our fish Fisher actually got a free, sorry, inside 50 and lob played on and and missed uh, an opportunity and then after that it was the rest of the quarter was just a bit rinse and repeat it was Collingwood just bombing the ball inside 50 us defending bombing it back out in the back it back out of defense and uh, we didn't kick a goal for the quarter in that third quarter just uh, five behinds uh, moved our score up to 43 and Collingwood ended up kicking three goals for the quarter uh, and they ended up on 7 12 54. I think the other point about that was we were saved by Collingwood kicking points. Yeah, they had the score. The scoreboard could have looked quite different if they'd have converted. They had a lot of opportunities, yeah, and they weren't they weren't hard chances either. That they were missing. They were very gettable chances. So we were definitely being let off the hook. And you always feel like we'll have that one of those quarters where we pile on a heap of goals. And even though Collingwood uh, Collingwood had been on top all day. You're just praying that maybe one at the third or the fourth quarter we'll just kick it into into high gear and take over the game. But it wasn't quite to be. We went to that last goal. It was nice. We had a great start in that last quarter with Motlop getting a soccer goal off the ground with a goal review that actually went our way for once, which closed the gap. But then the Pies got two quick goals back. Uh, Fisher had a, a set shot that he missed. Uh, but always managed to bob up with a couple goals. Uh, Kerno did a fantastic mark and, and long goal that had a nice little bit of swing. It's like it was a magnet through the sticks, that one. And then uh, then it just became a bit of an arm wrestle and we're struggling to close that gap. And it looked like Collingwood were going to run away a couple goals, comfortable win, and even the, I heard the Collingwood chant go up. Uh, so it gave me a lot of pleasure when Tom DeConning took a big pack mark in the defensive 50 and we did a lovely transition through the field. Saad sidestepped a couple Collingwood players, went the length of the ground. Charlie managed to get on the end of it, kicked a goal, closed us right in and it was pretty much if we kick another goal, we win. And it was a scramble for the last minute and a half. Soss managed to snap a chance and miss, got a behind. Uh, and then heavy congestion uh, and then right on the siren, uh, Walsh got a got a bit of a, a tap on the shoulder, no free, and then it ended up the siren went. So losing by four points, eleven goals, nine seventy five to uh, Collingwood, eleven goals, thirteen to seventy nine. Yeah. So um, while it was a disappointing finish, I guess uh, ten minutes earlier uh, into uh, into the quarter, the fact that we we were threatening to win was a nice place to be. It's just a pity we left our run a bit late. Yeah, it wasn't it, it, except for the. Close finish. It wasn't necessarily an exciting game to watch, was it? It was a bit of a messy game. Yeah, yeah. not much scoring. No, we've been at a hundred points by three quarter time the last few weeks in a row, and we couldn't even get. Uh, we struggled to get to seventy five points this week. Yes, Matt, I remember you saying at one point it feels like a wet weather football game without <laughs> the uh, without the wet weather, and it was a bit like that in terms of uh, some of the the play. So, Phil, I'll just have a quick look at some of the the team stats. We won the disposal count uh, as per usual. Inside 50s were actually ahead, which surprises me, 56 to 51 on the inside 50s. It felt like they had way more opportunities inside 50s than us. We actually won the free kick count. Hitouts, they dominated uh, 37 to 19, but we won the clearances uh, just 33 to 28. Centre clearances 13 to 9. Stoppage clearances 20 to 19. Uh, we won contested possession, uncontested possession, 
And uh, they had more marks, though. They dominated in the air, I felt like, this game. They had 18 inside marks, inside 50 marks to R9, contested marks 17 to 10. And I guess that sort of shows that we're missing probably a few key players there. All right, shall we uh, move along and uh, discuss uh, some of the players' individual performances? Absolutely. So, Phil, second quarter where we discuss the players. We might start off with, as we always do, your boy, which uh, for those that aren't regular listeners, the Blue Crew regular listeners will know, but your boy is perhaps someone that didn't feature in your votes, but you're really pleased with their efforts. And who did you have as your boy this week? Well, I was tossing up between a, a couple of, you know, of usually quite strong players, but I, I think I, um, I, in the end, I've gone with Owies. Yeah, okay. Uh, I thought that... Um, he wasn't strong through the early part of the game and I no. sort of went missing. But I, I, I've I, said he's my boy because I thought when he needed to stand up, he did stand up and he also converted those couple of set shots, which yep. he, he hasn't always been great at converting those shots. Probably. But under pressure, giving us that forward option, I thought that he certainly put us in with a chance to uh, get the points, even though he fell just short. Yeah, I thought he's, like you say, he's, he stepped up and converted. It's definitely been a weak point of his in the season. He hadn't done too much under then. He laid some few crunching tackles during the game, which is always a staple for Owies. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think it was really – we need someone to kick goals and it was nice for him to bob up and get a couple. Yeah. So what did you think, Matt? I actually, this week for my boy, I went Newman, who sometimes we give a bit of hard – uh, hard time to but and sometimes his theatrics can be a bit annoying and he certainly had a few of them in this game but I thought his physicality I felt like he perhaps stood up a bit without Wietering being back there he really threw himself hard at the contest won a lot of difficult balls and I just thought it was one of those uh, probably unheralded halfback games he wasn't sort of racking up the disposals but I thought he was defending very well tonight yeah, and he didn't have any sort of clangers and often no. he has the odd clanger, although there was that interesting moment where he, uh, he almost had dissent. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if the dissent rule could be interpreted to reverse the free because... Can uh, you can you, can you, <laughs> can you dissent a decision that went your way though? <laughs> Maybe he was just very enthusiastically agreeing with the call from the umpire. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting moment. But look, that was a really good call, Matt. I agree. I think he really did stand up in defence when we needed and uh, he also, you know, uh, as he always does, he had that bit of uh, grunt around him and yeah, sort of... He's uh, one of the courage, mature guys yeah. on the team as well and I think he, he, you got to expect him to take a bit of a leadership role and he, I think it was do as I do tonight from Newman. Yeah. Well, so now, what about... Uh, the whipping boy? The you whipping, want me to, I'll lead the off the whipping, whipping boy, boy this yeah. week, I guess. Yeah. And I had a couple written down. It'd be interesting what you go with. And tonight I'm just going to go with Stocker, mainly just uh, because a few of his disposals tonight, I thought for someone who's meant to be great on both feet it's a few times he just missed a few pretty key kicks which was a little bit disappointing now I know he's doing a bit of a more of a lockdown role but in a night where skills weren't great especially some of those turnovers that really hurt us I thought he was one of the culprits for us today yeah I I remember last week I commented I thought he was a bit rusty with his disposals but uh, this week he was also uh, yeah uh, he had his moments, but you're right. I think uh, there was a few opportunities where if he had done uh, a little better, it could have actually opened up the game for us. And that's what you need for it those uh, plays off the halfback. And we do have a lot of dominant halfbacks, but I'd like to see him play that game that you see him playing in the VFL where he uses the ball very well and is creative out of the back line, which he seems to sort of be not getting the opportunity to do. Who is going to be your wing boy this week, Phil? Well, I... <laughs> I'll mention a couple of players that I had in consideration but didn't and then give you the context of why I've chosen who I did. But um, I thought Carroll because he had a whole lot of almost moments. Yes. Um, you know, where he just didn't quite uh, finish things off, whether it was shots for goal or marks or, yeah. marks or kicks. So in a sense, you know, you could say he was a whipping boy. Also, I thought Motlop wasn't in the game sufficiently while he got that goal. Uh, and he did do a bit of chasing. He probably wasn't as present as the small pressure forward that no, I was I'd hoping like to he, see. he might have a similar game to last week yeah. and convert a few, but yeah. he just didn't even get the chances this week. Yeah, but I've gone this week almost for the complimentary reason that you chose Newman <laughs> for your whipping boy. 
I think we need players who are a bit more mature to really step up in games like this. And for that reason, I've gone for Fisher. Yeah. I think Fisher needed to make a difference, particularly when we're short Big H and we're relying on Charlie. And mm-hmm. yeah, while Durden and Motlop and Owies uh, can do some work around the forward line, I thought it was Fisher's opportunity to sort of play that midfield forward role and make a difference. And I think. To me, that's one of Fisher's challenges in becoming the player we want him to is to play well in the big games and yep. not play either cameos in other games or play well in games that are not as hot for him. So I've gone with Fisher. It might be a little bit harsh, but no. I, I've put the heat on him because I think if Fisher can step up, it could make a difference in games like that where you're losing by a goal it just needs a couple of acts from a couple of those key mature players to to uh, turn the tide. No, I think it's a good call. It's not, as we said, we're crying out for some perhaps better ball use, a bit more clean ball use, and they're meant to be Fisher's strengths. And I think when he's had good games, the thing we've, we've praised him for is he's uh, excellent ball use. Sometimes he has some really good vision and some creative use through the middle. And tonight we seem to struggle getting those inside kicks and change of directions and uh, as you said uh, finishing on the scoreboard is something he's normally pretty good at too which he missed out tonight so I think that's more than reasonable how do you see some of our defenders hold up tonight and the weeding obviously went off early so it was a bit of a reshuffle but Young Young became the main defender look it was interesting Um, I, I felt like looking at the game I didn't see Young a lot but on reflection, I think that was a good thing <laughs> because I think that meant he was he was doing his job without clangers or errors in defence because yep. there's nowhere to hide as a big you know. And so I think in that sense, I think he did okay. I think I think Saad was probably our standout defender again, especially he, in that he went, first half. He went a little bit quiet in the third quarter, yep. but in the first two quarters and the last quarter, he really had stepped up to really uh, to really fill. Fill the gap, as you say. Stocker probably didn't have his um, his best game. I thought Doherty was was solid, without setting the uh, the house on fire. What did you think of the defenders, Matt? I think considering how tall their forward line was, and then we lose our, our best tall defender, I think it was pretty valiant effort. They weren't getting goals from contested marks, uh, from pack marks. Imagine to to spoil and bring the ball to the ground most times. I thought the way they were sort of scoring was either getting free and open on turnover or from crumbing goals. And So I thought it wasn't a bad effort from the defensive unit considering how it all went. I thought Young, like you said, was good but quiet. I thought he did his job. Would have been nice to see him if he could have perhaps snagged a couple, but uh, it was you know a lot of tall timber down there, so it's hard to get those intercept marks. Plowman, like similar to Young, quiet, but you, know, you didn't notice anything too wrong with his game. And then I think it was probably a good effort from the others to try contain my, the other tall forward in my check. And the halfbacks actually had a, had a pretty good game, I thought, the, in general, the Doherty inside. Yeah, I thought Plowman, uh, once again, looked like the old Plowman rather than – but once we lost the uh, Weedering, he yeah. was forced back to play tall. Be accountable, and yeah. so I think, you know, he was showed up for his pace on a couple of occasions with uh, – uh, you know some of those marks that sort of ended up in goals with the yeah. uh, with I think the Henry forwards. got him a couple of times. Didn't yeah, he, he did. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think it just demonstrates that Plowman's not a key defender, and and not that we've ever said he is, but he's often been asked to be that, and I think he was asked to be that again today, and it caused a bit of a, a weak link for us. Yeah. yeah. So Nunes was one of the inclusions into the team. He was up on the wing, and Lob was on the other wing. How'd you how'd you think about the the wingers today? Yeah. Look. <laughs> Probably not as good as what I'd hope, but there was uh, they played average games. Yeah, I that's think, what actually. I thought. You yeah. didn't notice them. You didn't, weren't disappointed. Lob had a few nice kicks, but didn't sort of do anything sort of too amazing. But I thought, like you say, I think they'll they'll there, they'll service all, but just not not probably helping us win the game, were they? Yeah. So, Matt, I'm really interested to know what you think of uh, Paddy Dow's game. <laughs> Tessa will be devastated. She's not here to quiz me. I thought it wasn't too bad. I think I have to have a look, but I think it was around 21 touches, five odd clearances. I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good. They used him in the middle, which was nice to see. They, you know, what they've been preaching, they did. They actually played him in the middle and gave him his opportunities, and he did well. He shook a few tackles, and he looked a lot stronger than what he did was in the team previously. He didn't. He's been having such good form in the VFL. Managing to hit the scoreboard, he didn't manage to do that tonight. And I thought he was pretty good compared to what Kennedy brings. Kennedy sort of, I thought, gave us 
We use Crips and Kenny as those targets on transition sometimes to help transfer the play. So I thought we probably missed that a little bit. Then yeah. Kenny has a pretty nice kick and does seem to hit the scoreboard. But as someone who's coming in to fill a, fill a vacancy, I thought he was okay. What, what do you think? Oh, look, I think you've, you're spot on, Matt. Um, uh, he certainly didn't uh, uh, do anything that I think, you know, screamed that he was, you know, out of his depth. And you said he's a bit bigger bodied. And uh, I was pleased to see that he did. I'd prefer to see him taking on the play like he did a few times rather than shirking that. Uh, and so yep. I thought he, he did that. And uh, with a few more games, you could see that he might even contribute a little bit more. But as you said, I agree with what we missed. He actually laid some nice tackles as well. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, still there's a few times where he laid some pretty crucial tackles. He had five for the night, second highest behind Hewitt, which is good to see that he's got some defensive side of his game going. We had Cripps pinch hitting in the ruck again as well as Sauce. Uh, Tom DeConning played that role where he pretty much takes the centre bounce and uh, then pushes forward as a second tall target. He took that great mark in the fourth quarter, but otherwise he was a bit quieter this week, Tom, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he was a bit quieter. And I must admit I I thought, and maybe this is a coach's box thing, I thought tactically I was a bit disappointed that we saw Cripps taking um, the, um, the round the ground sort of almost in the centre after one hit and we moved yeah it did Tom, almost Tom for the whole third because quarter. i thought as a as a um as a viewer of the game i thought our key to winning was actually winning the center clearances and getting it forward and even if we had to have you know a second go at it having tom DeConey continue to take the ruck and give us a better chance of winning that with cripps um playing a true midfield role i felt that that in the third quarter we sacrificed that a bit so yeah I uh, was a bit disappointed about that. But the rest of the midfield got plenty of touches. You know, Walsh racked up 35 possessions. Hewitt got 31. And Chero, we mentioned earlier, I thought, was probably this week our most influential midfielder. Yeah, I thought he was very good, especially early on. He seemed to be getting his hands on everything. And then as the game went on, everyone sort of had their moments. And you're right in the end, the midfield ended up doing pretty well, especially stat-wise. They all sort of got their touches. Cripps was... As it seems to be when, like you say, he sort of sacrificed his game in the ruck there, but he still got his 22 touches and was presenting 40. plays sort of as a pseudo up forward as well. But otherwise, I thought the midfield were okay. They weren't quite as dominant. And I thought the Collingwood midfield actually did very well to nullify one of our greatest strengths, which was scoring from clearances. And it seemed to be the only way we could score this game. So as long as they sort of kept us quiet there, they, they sort of that was probably their key to to winning. Uh, into our forward line where they they all struggled a little bit this week. Although Charlie, I'm so surprised when I actually said he had four goals to his name by the end of the match, which is uh, probably a credit to Charlie because he didn't get much supply tonight. He was often two or three on one, uh, but he had a ended up getting four goals, which I just to say is a pretty good game. But they're all a bit quiet tonight, weren't they up forward? Yeah, look, I think Charlie tried really hard and, as you said, he was really double-teamed pretty heavily and he really uh, had to work hard and have a bit of Charlie magic, I think, to do <laughs> what he did, which is just yep. so good to see. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, our small forwards probably didn't deliver what we'd hoped and um, and Jack Silvani, look, like he does, he always tries, but uh, given he was probably playing the second key forward role, and he did do a bit of rucking here and there. I think it makes it very hard for him to uh, contribute when his role's so mixed, perhaps. So, yeah, he he bobbed up here and there but probably didn't hit the scoreboard like we probably needed him to. Yeah, yeah it's that old classic when you lose someone like Harry who takes the best defender and then everyone has to sort of take the next defender who gets the next most attention. It just affects everyone's games. And Charlie's done a great job of stepping up, but then it probably affects people a bit more like Silvani who's normally getting the third or fourth defender all of a sudden's getting the, the second best defender when it's just the two of them down there. Uh, no, I, yeah, I would have liked to see a little bit more forward pressure, but I think it's probably more just a credit to the way Collingwood managed to set up and structure up and the way they they use the ball out of defence more than so more so than our ability to pressure them. I thought we did sort of try apply some pressure but just couldn't quite get there. Uh, is there anyone else you would like to discuss or shall we move along to the, the coaches box and talk about all the different tactical oh, battles that throughout the day? Votes first. Oh well just as well you're here. Someone's paying attention. Yes yeah, definitely so I might take over as host next week. Yeah yeah I'll, I'll be out. Tess Tess will be back and you can host. <laughs> So the much uh, heralded blue pod BNF that I'm sure all the players are talking about. For those of you who didn't see the update on our Instagram during the week, it is 
Cripps leading the way on 32 votes, Kerno 24, Walsh 20. Then we have uh, McKay, Doherty on 15, Saad and Kennedy on 14 and, and it sort of peters out for the rest of the players. It will be interesting to see how you see these votes, Ashley. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what you did, Phil. So why don't you uh, lead the way and tell me how you went. You have, for those of you who aren't regular listeners, uh, we have 10 votes to give, max five per player. A little bit difficult this week, although I think there were, you know, a few players that uh, we clearly stood out. And I gave two votes to Charlie. Yep. I thought with limited supply, creating the opportunities he did, um, I think in the four goals, you know, he really is having the impact. So uh, I think two, two, two votes to him. also gave two votes to Adam Chera. I thought he probably played a solid, the best four-quarter performance of all the mids. Yep. And he hit the scoreboard. And he did seem at key points to be either the playmaker or uh, stepping up. So I was really pleased to see that. I also gave two votes to Adam Saad. I thought apart from his lapse in the third quarter, um, he really did step up and try and do what he could to fill that hole in the back line. Out of sheer weight of stats, I gave two votes to <laughs> Hewitt. I, um, He's an accumulator, isn't he? He is an accumulator and... Obviously, we need people to get possession and get those contested, or you know, ball in the uh, in in the midfield. And uh, I think he where we did actually win the clearances, he was always in the chain. So yeah, I think that had been knowledge. I, I was debating whether to give him two votes or one, but I decided in the end to give him two. Seven tackles for George Hill on the way as well, which is yeah, a good effort. Which is a good effort. Yeah, yeah. And then I gave um, one each to Cripps and Walsh. Once again, Walsh was everywhere, not as impactful as last week, but with 35 touches and he tried pretty hard and he, he, um, he, you know, he was winning balls and creating opportunities and I thought Cripps, you know, he did sacrifice his game. I think he stood up with a captain's goal at a really key point, so I think that was really important. And Walsh also hit the scoreboard, which was another, uh, I think, important point in the game where we really needed one of our leaders to, um, to hit the scoreboard. So... In summary, yeah, two votes each to Sarah, Saad, Hewitt and Kerno, and one each to Cripps and Walsh. Yeah, I like it. I think it's it's not too dissimilar to how I went either. I didn't also I also didn't give any threes this week, so I had a couple of players up for two votes. Like you, I gave two votes to Chera, and I think we both had him as a, a whipping boy last week. So good to see he responded to our, our call for him to fire back up. But like you, I thought he played a really solid four quarter game. I was really impressed. He's Ball usage on both sides of his body was excellent. He had seven clearances. Uh, he had 670-odd metres gained. As you say, he managed to get that goal as well. So great game from from Chera. I thought it was, it was really good from him. Uh, also two votes, and I did sort of play around with my votes a little bit, but I, I ended up just going two, two votes for Doc, I thought. Uh, he was very good this week. He had, you know, going back with the flight in front of the ball, like he seems to get a whack every week. He had over 600 metres gained, and uh, I thought he had a pretty pretty good uh, game this week, uh, Doc. Uh, really just an amazing uh, comeback story for him. And then I just had a bunch of one-voters. So uh, one vote to Walsh, like you say, 35 touches, and I thought he was thought he was very good without perhaps being quite as damaging as last week. Saad, who had a really good game, as you said, bar that third quarter. But other than that, he uh, we used a lot of pace and he looked damaging tonight. Those two sidesteps in that last quarter for us to kick that goal to bring us back within a goal was pretty important. Kerno managed to get four goals from limited chances and being double teamed by Howe and Moore for most of the night. Hewitt, uh, as you discussed, lots of touches and managed to lay a lot of tackles. Cripps actually had, eight, I think, eight clearances despite uh, not getting a heap of the ball, doing his, his best working close. And I actually just gave one vote to Soss for consistently presenting and working hard. And he probably could have uh, had a couple goals but not quite and... I just thought it was a, a not a not a bad game from Soss, so I snuck him in for one extra vote. So I've given a lot of players votes there. So it was two Chera and Dark and one to Walsh side, Kerno Hewitt, Cripps and Soss. Yeah, okay, that's that's interesting. I think it's fair enough. It's always hard in a in a fairly even game like that, and particularly a losing game to uh, to distinguish who's really um, contributed. But uh, yeah. I think that's a reasonable call, Matt. So, so we'll see Chera sliding up the scoreboard and result of receiving four votes. So he'll go up to 15. So that could move him up all the way up into about fourth position. But other than that, it won't, won't change too much. Walsh uh, probably slightly closing in on Cripps. 
And unless I've forgotten about any other segments you want to remind me of, I think we'll move into the third quarter in the coach's box. So, Matty, coach's box. We actually picked uh, the uh, one of the changes last week with uh, Carol out and uh, Dow in. We uh, did, yeah. It was we we were advocating for that, so that was nice to see. Yeah. So, what did you think of the uh, the, the the obviously Kennedy was a force change, but what did you think of the starting lineup and uh, how it's how it's set up? Yeah. So we had. Carol out and Kenny forced out through, was it injury or illness or did they say for Kenny? I can't remember now. I think he was sore. Sore, yeah. okay. And we had Dow come in essentially for, for Kennedy and we had Nunes come in for Carol. And uh, Nunes is, you know, you never, he's not going to change. He sort of gives you the same every week. I don't mind the changes. I think it was nice to see Dow rewarded for some good form in the, in the VFL. And until... Weedering went down. I, I didn't mind the the way we were structured up. I don't think we can do too much else too different at the moment. We're just we're quite limited on on options, aren't we? Yeah. So how did you think we we managed to uh, cope with the weedering out? For this week, it's pretty good. It's concerning going forward, isn't it? I imagine you'd have to bring in another key defender and. And uh, probably Kemp, you would think, would be the likely one essentially to replace weedering. Would be my guess, but you'd have young. Playing what would what was we doing roles as the goalkeeper or key back, and then Kemp is the second tall, and perhaps having player still plays that third tall. But gee, we're missing a few, aren't we? Out of our first game this season, we've got none of our key position defenders available anymore. Yeah, do you think it might be a case of trying to get Marchbank in a bit quicker as well? Marchbank could be key. One of the things I thought we really struggled with tonight, which also affected our game a bit, is a lack of intercept marking. It was a real strength of ours early, especially when McGovern was in the team between Wittering and McGovern and other players popping up. And our game style is sort of based on applying that pressure to force them to pop the ball in the air and, and then trying to get those intercepts. And we just weren't able to get them. We were sort of trying to apply that pressure and the ball was getting popped over the top. We just never seemed to ever manage to mark the ball. And it can be a real weapon to get those intercept marks and counter-attack, which we just didn't have. So it's a good thought. I think if we if Marchbank's good to go, I don't know if he's only played a couple of games, but another week of training and perhaps he'll be close. Maybe we'll get rushed back because he does play that sort of third tall interceptor, doesn't he? Yeah. I noticed, Matt, that when we were kicking it out of defence, we seemed to get in this rhythm of just kicking it long down the line oh. and uh, we just – that it just kept coming back at us. It seemed to be sort of a, the habit we'd seen happen to the teams in the past and yep. yet we seemed to persist. What was your thinking around that? Do you think there was a reason for that, us persisting with that rather no, than trying to change direction? Almost feels like a lack of confidence, doesn't it? Maybe Collingwood are setting up really well, preventing that that switch, but there was definitely a lack of creativity out of the kick-ins. We never attempted to go down the middle once. We never sort of switched it back the other way. It was always that long kick to the same spot. And the thing that annoyed me about it tonight particularly is we're down on key position players. We don't have the big marking targets, and they had the big tall timber against us this, this week with Myacek and... Uh, Cameron. Cameron and Cox there. Thank you. I was trying to think of Cox's name. He's not a very memorable player sometimes, <laughs> good old Coxy. But, yeah, they had they had all the tall timber, so we're never going to outmark them on any of those kicks and they seem to beat us at the ground balls. So I'm not sure why they, they fall into that trap. I don't know if they just don't want to risk the kick so we don't, you know, they feel like we're going into control the game mode and they want to take any risks and get hurt on the board. But you're also not going to close the gap, are you, when you're just kicking it out of defence like that? No, and if we're going to take advantage of our small forwards, we need to sort of probably have the game moving yep. quickly and creating a bit of space and opportunity um, for, for them to do their running, particularly in the transition. So uh, it was, yeah, maybe Collingwood did set up better than, than was apparent, but, uh, yeah, I think it was disappointing that we sort of seemed to get into a rut yep. um, and not be able to uh, change. I think con- particularly in that third quarter, whereas in the second quarter, I think that really we slowed the game down, we um, you know, controlled the game, got it back on our terms and then pulled the trigger a couple of times. So that was really nice and I think it would have been nice to see a bit more of that in yep. the second half. I think one of the adjustments we made in that second quarter was to chip and 
gain possession down the wing. So rather than bomb it down the wing to a contest, we seem to be happy to take those 20-metre kicks and we'll take two or three of them or four of them and get as close as we could to the 50 and then we'd have the long entry, which really worked well for us in that second quarter, helped us control the ball and get it in. And I felt Collingwood were awake to that in the third, which sort of really chopped off on it. You saw them applying a lot more pressure on those short kicks, which took away one of our avenues forward. Yeah, yeah, and I think we did recover doing that a little bit in the fourth quarter and perhaps Collingwood weren't, you know, had burned a few petrol tickets and it was a bit easier to do that. So I think that also created some of the opportunity for us in the uh, in the fourth quarter when we did uh, stage that little bit of a fight back. I find those goals they get out over the back of our defence, especially early when we're in attack mode. And I, I like the defensive philosophy of leave your man and apply pressure and you try to get to the contest and influence it. But, gee, the Collingwood were either very good or we weren't quite there in time and they would just still get that easy kick over the back. And the amount of times we were outnumbered in our own defensive 50 tonight was was far too many. And as you said in the game recap, we're just lucky they didn't convert because they had a lot of very easy chances going forward. Yeah, I got very sick of seeing Steel side by them running around by himself on our forward flank. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure who was playing on him. but uh, Yeah, I think he, he was probably playing wing and pushing up. But yeah, I, I think you're right. He was playing wing. So it was our wingers who were caught out there. So we mentioned before the wingers had an average game and maybe – we were a bit uh, generous, uh, mm. maybe. Uh, they were clever, though, Collingwood. I think we uh, we try to cover the, the dangerous areas. So some of our players, and I think the wingers do it a lot, they will sag off. They won't, they won't play a man. It was more of a zone where they sort of try to sit in front of the forwards. But Collingwood were more than happy to go around the outside of us, and it just gave them uh, very easy opportunities going forward. Yep. So what other observations did you have um, about how the uh, the game played out, Matt? Uh, we talked about intercept marking, which wasn't there for us this week, and I think that's one that one way we can key score. And Collingwood did a good job of fairly negating our scores from stoppage. The other area which we didn't really score from tonight, uh, which is probably a, a part of the reason we didn't get a large amount of points on the board, I thought we also lacked to get a, a score from turnover. <laughs> you know, it's one of the keys to the modern game is scoring from turnovers. And when you get the ball, a few times we got it, we got it in dangerous areas and we looked to attack and it wasn't always necessarily the wrong option. We would look to go inside or something like that, but the kick wasn't quite on or the player would fumble the mark and we went from a position of power and all of a sudden would be turning it over in just as equally vulnerable position, but Collingwood would take advantage of that situation. I found that pretty frustrating this evening. Yeah, I thought that it's it's a bit of an overstatement, but there was probably three or four occasions where Collingwood scored from our turn, winning a turnover yeah. because we didn't actually transition properly, just like you said. So that was uh, quite costly. And in the context of a four-point game, it's more than quite costly. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's game difference, yeah. Yeah. And Good call, excellent call, sausage call. I thought tonight also was one of the – if there was a game that maybe it's because we lost and you know you're a bit disappointed about the loss, but if there's a game that it really felt like we were missing a lot of players, it was tonight. I think if you go back into that game and you line up in the back line with, I mean, I think Oscar McDonald's career is done. I think his back injuries are no good. I don't think we'll be seeing him again. But if you line up with him fit like we did at the start of the season with McGovern, Austin McDonald, Jacob Wiedering all lining up in defense with our smalls around them, we have Pidnett and Tom DeConning in the ruck, as well as Harry Mackay, Charlie up forward. It's just we're missing so much of our of the way we were basing our game plan around and players we were banking on being there. And I know they say, you know, soldier out, soldier in, but there comes a point where the soldier coming in is not quite as the soldier going out. Yeah. And look, Matt, I know that, you know, we're never happy with a loss and particularly a loss against one of the arch rivals like Collingwood, Essendon or Richmond. But uh, I thought that uh, even though we lost tonight, we did show why – we're a better team this year. Yeah, uh, we showed that uh, even with our our stocks very thin, and with weedering going down, we can still take it up to teams that are there and about. So, I mean, Collingwood's not in the bottom half of the, you know, in, in, the, in the bottom third of the ladder. They're in the mid middle area, and there's not much difference through that mid part of the ladder through to the you know the top of the first three or four in the eight. So, yeah, I think the fact that. We were able to compete. We didn't give up. It was a good sign in the context of the season while the loss obviously is never one you want to stomach. Yeah. And what do you think about perhaps – I know we got the week off next week, but what about going into Essendon? We'll obviously have Wiedering come out. What changes do you think we might make going into that game? Well, I think you flagged before. I think our only really option is to bring back Brody Kemp and yep. into to give us another tool because I think – uh, particularly Plowman's just not 
strong enough to be that that second um, second tall. So that's a, an obvious change. I think Maddie Kennedy hopefully uh, oh, be yes. fit and he yep. can come back in. Probably Carroll goes out. I think Carroll's showing that he is a little bit needs a rest. I mean, I think he's going to be a great player, as I said last week. But I think young players, you've got to give them the opportunity to regroup. And I think the buy will be good for that, but probably good for him to have a, a week or two where he can regroup. So Kennedy coming back in for him. I I think um, Dow probably could hold his spot, uh, perhaps. Um, Nunes. Jack Martin's the interesting one because um, I think we – if. If he can perform in the forward line, I can think he'd be a value, but yeah. I think they're not quite sure what to do with him. So whether you bring in Jack for uh, for Nunes, I, I don't know. I'm wondering if Jack Martin might come in for perhaps Motlop, uh, depending on how they feel about the balance. He's, he provides a good overhead option as well, Jack Martin, surprisingly strong overhead forward, so maybe he'd come back in. We've also got Cunningham, who's probably going to need a bit of VFL footy, I imagine, but he's one who's on the verge of coming back from injury, and as you mentioned, Marchbank. So there's a few few guys coming back with the with the bye who might be chances to, to help bolster us a little bit going, uh, going into the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately probably not the key position players. It's, no, uh, we're a long way off, are we? Need, so, yeah. All right, well... Uh, there was a lot to talk about there, but how about we go into the last quarter and we'll uh, we'll have a look at the the year that's been and and what's to come. So, Phil, how do you feel about how the year has gone so far? Are you happy with where we're sitting coming into the bye with uh, nine wins and three losses? Oh, sorry, eight wins and three losses. I was already thinking about nine and two all leading up to this week. <laughs> Yeah, look, if you've given me eight wins and three losses at the start of the season, I'd take it every day. So, yeah, it's not bad, sense, is it? Uh, you, you've got to be um, probably pretty happy with that. Um, I guess uh, when you look at the losses, uh, it's probably disappointing that we did lose to the Suns and Collingwood in the first half, teams that you would hope that we would have uh, been able to beat. But given the other, you know, the volume of wins, I guess you even as Melbourne has shown this weekend, uh, there comes a time where you just can't win every game. So I guess as a developing side, we've got to expect a loss here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned at the start of the season, I was hoping we were going to finish sixth. So we're sitting fifth on the ladder after, after this round, partly due to percentage. Uh, we're equal in wins with third place, I believe. I think there's three, three teams all tied up on, on the same amount of points there. So I'm I'm reasonably happy with with how that's gone. It's and especially considering I think our draw in the second half of the year is probably a bit tougher. We haven't played Melbourne yet. We haven't played Brisbane yet. We've got injuries mounting. So I think the fact that we've banked wins is even more vital than perhaps how uh, perhaps what it was going to be. If we had a fully healthy list, you might feel a bit more optimistic about how it's going to go. But I think we will struggle to probably pick off some of those those tougher wins with the lack of personnel in the second half of the year. But like you, if someone told me eight three going to the bye, I would have taken that. In a heartbeat. Yeah. So I guess the only good part of the draw is that my, my understanding is that we're playing Brisbane and Melbourne in the last two rounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've Bit actually of a warm got, up for finals. <laughs> yeah, so we've actually got the opportunity to get our get Harry back, hopefully Weedering back, um, and get our team in good shape before we run into the finals. So I think the challenge through this next six or eight weeks, uh, once we get past the bye, is to keep keep ourselves uh, in contention so that uh, we basically can come home with a with a strong uh, finish to the season uh, as the uh, the injury list hopefully uh, diminishes a bit yeah so our next five games which I think are probably pretty crucial with people coming back from injuries we go Essendon Richmond then we have Fremantle over here St Kilda and the fifth game after that is Eagles so couple tougher ones with Frio and Saints, but a lot of very winnable games. If we could probably snare three three of those, I reckon that would be a pretty good return. And then with players coming back and picking up some momentum, maybe a strong finish to the year. You think we should. Obviously, West Coast and Essendon should be uh, be wins. And then you pick up, you know, uh, one or two of the others if you uh, can play well. Then um, I think that would set us up for the final third of the season. Yeah. Um, pretty nicely. I guess as I reflect on the season, the other thing is talking about injuries. I guess I'm always nervous when Charlie's playing, <laughs> is he going to injure himself again? I feel it's a bit like 
reflecting to the old days, uh, watching Anthony Kudafidis, uh, always worried that he was going to do his knee again or something. <laughs> and with Charlie, I, I have that similar feeling that uh, he's such a dynamic player and so good for us that, you know, it's always hard to believe he's on the park and staying there. And at the start of the season, I would have thought that maybe we get to mid-year and you've got Harry there and Charlie... Injured. So the fact that Charlie's there playing well and just dominating like he is, I think is a real big upside for us. And so if he's fit, can sustain it with Harry coming back, gee, I think it's some pretty exciting um, opportunities in the second half. Yeah, to have the two of them up there is so valuable. Tonight, if we could have had Harry just taking a big pack mark on the wing or he offers something slightly different to Char- Charlie and the two of them are just such a good combination. Uh, the Kerner reminds me of that, that segment on the radio, you know, the – beat the bomb and they call up and it tick, tick, tick and you got to say when you like cash out before the bomb goes and I feel like Kerno is a bit like that sort of, isn't it? You're hoping that we can cash in before the, the bomb goes off again and we can actually get a full season out of him. But uh, every week you feel a bit more confident in him and I'm sure he probably feels the same way but there is always it's always in the back of your mind, isn't it? If he doesn't get up quickly from a contest or something, you're always pretty nervous with Kerno. but it's been a great story for him and I'll have to check where the Coleman is, but I imagine the four goals today wouldn't have hurt his chances. I'm sure he's in front based on what I saw uh, flash up on the screen uh, during the game. Um, so Doherty, I think, is the other great story. What do you think of Doherty's first half, Matt? I don't think it could have gone any better. We weren't even sure if we were going to make round one, and he hasn't had a, a really bad game all season, I don't think, and very courageous just the I just love the way he's putting his body on the line so for someone who's been injured so often and every game is just so valuable to him you can see that he just is such a team first mentality you can see why they made him captain when he was before he had his bouts of cancer he's just everything you want a, a leader to be and he's backing that up with really good games as well his skills are there he's moving around pretty well He's, he's damaging again. I remember when he came back uh, last, I think it was last year, when he was struggling a bit for impact and they were sort of moving him around on the wing and didn't quite have the, the sort of zip. But I think he's bringing all those qualities that he brought probably three or four years ago that made him an Australian. And uh, he's been a very valuable valuable contribution. I know, as you say, we've got a high injury list, but the fact that those two have been out on the park has been a, a real bonus to uh, Doherty and Kerno. Yeah. And what do you think of Vossi as our coach? Uh, first half of the season gone with a, a new coach and I, I, the only comment I'll make before just asking you, you your thoughts, Matt, is I, I love seeing a bit of passion in the box today. Yeah, he um, did, didn't he? It was, uh, he's been very cool and calm but you could see that uh, he was really passionate today which I think is, is, uh, is a great thing. And passionate not in a way that – upset with players passionate but I think he could actually see you know that uh, bleeding blue coming through a bit uh, for me which is great yeah I've really loved Voss's coach uh, I like his level head and he has obviously done his training and he, he speaks in some of that coachy jargon that they all do nowadays with their sort of generic answers in a way but he's not all that there seems to be a lot of genuine uh, talk about what he has to say and he doesn't sort of mince words like often he's pretty direct in the press conferences and he'll say what he's thinking and he's had a pretty good run having eight wins on the boards so he hasn't had too many tough press conferences but I've, I've really enjoyed what he's done and uh, they've all, there's been a lot of talk about how his A game has been contested ball and I think he's he's really had success with that and I think it's been a really good start for him and Hopefully this year goes well, but it'll be interesting to see how he evolves as a coach and teams adjust to our style of play. And I think that would be the real test for him going forward. A bit like with Teague, everyone knew, once everyone knew that he was just all out offense and they worked him out, it was came a bit tough and he lost the players a bit. But I feel like Voss has still got the the support of everyone and the whole new coaching group being a really fresh, uh, refreshing start for all the players. And I've been impressed and so far very optimistic about it. So it would be nice to have a coach that lasts longer than a couple of seasons, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think the other the, another story for the first half is, um, is TDK. I think uh, you know, the first few games with when Pitno was, was playing um, – I wasn't sure. He had a couple of good games, a couple of bad ones. But uh, as Vossi said, uh, young players can really step up with responsibility and I think maybe uh, Pitnode's in injury is a um, could be a blessing in disguise in accelerating the development of Tom. I mean, those, those big marks around the ground are now sticking, whereas uh, in the first half of the season... 
you know, the, he was trying a lot but they weren't sticking. Whereas yeah. the fact is I think he seems to be going for the mark now where he's got more confidence in getting it and not just uh, flying in hope, which is great to see. Yeah, he's been quite consistent and you're right. I think it's been it's been good for him. I think it's one of those things where you don't wish to have Pidnet go down and it's probably not best for the team but maybe best for the long term to expose Tom and get him in the first ruck and give him a bit of a learning opportunity might be it might be something that benefits the team going forward. Yeah. So I think through the next few weeks the key thing is if we can find the depth to keep the wins coming in a difficult sort of injury time, it's um, um, likely to be um, an interesting September. I think it will. So having said all that, where do you think we might be able to finish come come the end of the year? Me and Tess had to put ourselves out there earlier in the season, so we'll we'll get you on, on record as well. Where considering we're seeing fifth at eight and three with the draw we've talked about to come, what would you like to see come the end of the year? Given the the way we've played, if we had a full contingent, I'd be saying now I'd like to see us be fourth and get the double chance. Yeah, but being pragmatic and given our injury situation. I'm inclined to think that if we finish fifth or sixth, that's um, that's you know, probably about where we're headed. Uh, it'll be tough to do that because you know, we've got to hold up these wins over this, this period of injuries, but uh, that's where I think we're still headed. I think your prediction of sixth at the start of the season is probably looking pretty solid. Yeah, I, I feel the same as you. I think if I'm happy just with finals, that would just be a great stepping stone for the team, but... Where we are now, if we could sneak that double chance, that would be huge. But even if we don't and we're sort of sitting around that six to four mark, I think that would be a, a pass mark for the year from here. Yeah. Look, I feel that if we don't get the double chance, it'll be hard to go deep into the finals. Yep. Um, obviously just depend on the day. But we are getting ahead of ourselves talking about finals. So <laughs> we still need to snag. I thought another, the lid was off, wasn't it? Another, another, <laughs> another few wins. Uh, but certainly... Uh, uh, I think we can look forward to a really interesting second half. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode, uh, Blue Crew. It's been a, a bit of a more somber note. Unfortunately, going into the bye would have been nice to be going in on nine and two, but maybe a little bit of a reality check for the guys and to refocus them come after the bye. Uh, please follow us on the.bluepod on Instagram, thebluepod on Twitter, and we're also on TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, get everyone on board, and hopefully we'll have a big second and a half season. Thanks once again for joining us, Phil. It was great to have you back. I look forward to getting you in again later. Perhaps uh, you, me, and Tess can all have a bit of a chat at some stage again. That would be nice. Yeah, so it's been good to fill in, but I'll be really happy to hand the reins back to Tess <laughs> when she returns, and hopefully she can bring some wins along with her. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, thanks, Blue Baggers.